Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Morning everyone. How are we? Uh, My name's Caitlin and I'll be doing the Bible reading this morning. Uh, So we're reading from Deuteronomy chapter 1. These are the words Moses spoke to all Israel in the desert east of the Jordan, that is in the Arabah, opposite Suf, between Paran and Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth and Dizahab. It takes 11 days to go from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea by the Mount Seir road. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all that the Lord had commanded him concerning them. This was after he had defeated Sihon king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, and Edrei had defeated Og king of Bashan, who reigned in Ashtaroth. East of the Jordan in the territory of Moab, Moses began to expound this law, saying, The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring peoples in the Arabah, in the mountains, in the western foothills, in the Negev and along the coast, to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the Euphrates. See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Caitlin. Good morning again, everyone. Morning. Good to see you there. Still there. Um, Now, today we're beginning a new series in the book of Deuteronomy. And Indy here is giggling because she knows how excited I am to finally get here preaching Deuteronomy. Now, I've, um, I've not, not kept that secret uh, that we're heading here and beginning this. And I've been talking to various people. I, I get kind of one of three responses uh, to, to preaching Deuteronomy. The first is, oh, at least it's not Leviticus or Numbers. <laughs> no, don't worry, that's next year. Um, or it's, oh gosh, you're brave. <laughs> or um, one particular response was quite funny. We've had a bit of a, a space issue at church. You know, the car park's full out. It's, it's holidays at the moment, and so we don't have as many. But it's been a great year of, of growth. And we've had issues, you know, overfilling the carpet, overfilling the room. And someone said, what a great strategy to reduce numbers is preach through Deuteronomy. <laughs> Why preach Deuteronomy? It's Old Testament book. It's the fifth book in the Old Testament. It's the fifth book uh, of the Pentateuch. Can everyone say Pentateuch? That's the, um, the, the five like foundational books of the Israelite people. And, um, but the, a response to it is, how is it relevant today? This is Old Testament, we're in New Testament land. And even some of the laws are very confusing. 
So like uh, Deuteronomy 22 verse 9 to 11, you shall not sow your vineyard with two kinds of seed, lest the whole yield be forfeited, the crop that you have sown in the yield and the yield of the vineyard. You shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together, and you shall not wear cloth of wool and linen mixed together. Now, does anyone have a mixed linen shirt on? There's a few of us, right? This one's pure cotton, so I'm all right. I don't know about anything else I'm wearing, though. What's the point of these laws, right? We, we hear stuff like that, and then we think it's just not relevant anymore, or it's too hard, or we know so much more now than they did back then. And so why, why do we need to listen to that? Why do we need to study a book like Deuteronomy? And the question I want to ask today, um, as we like introduce this book and introduce the series, is how do we read Deuteronomy? How do we read this book? It's quite lengthy. It's a lot of detail. How, how do we? What's our approach to listening and understanding and responding to this book? And kind of deeper to that question is how do we respond to God's law? How do we respond and understand Old Testament law in light that we're saved by grace through the work of Jesus Christ once and for all? Now, how do we read this book? There's been a few typical approaches to the book of Deuteronomy. Um, uh, What it's most known as, Deuteronomy, literally means second law. And so people consider it's a law book. It's It's a list of rules. Uh, to follow instructions for the Israelite people, relevant to the Israelite people. Now, that's true, but it's more than that. Another way of looking at it, which is very um, uh, fitting with the Constitution being released on Friday, is Deuteronomy is kind of like the Constitution for the Israelite people. It's the rules for the Israelite people of how they exist as the organization under God. Uh, the rules for living for the Israelite people, for the nation of Israel. And that's true, but it's even more than that. There's one thing uh, really interesting, if you were to go deep into biblical studies, you uh, discover that that Deuteronomy kind of reflects what's known as a Hittite treaty or a um, vassal suzerain, like the kind of uh, the contracts that, different nations would have with each other for the kind of the rules for the relationship. And it's, it's, it's a document or, a, or a, a papery or a scroll, a contract that kind of outlines what's the nature of the covenant, the promise kept between two nations or two organizations or two people. And so Deuteronomy can be seen as the the, the covenant document, the Hittite treaty between God and his people. And if you were to compare, if I could have the next slide, Tim, if you compare what, what a typical Hittite treaty looks like to the pattern of Deuteronomy, and it aligns very closely, uh, a preamble and then a historical prologue, then um, general stipulations and specific stipulations like rules and like how to live and how to do things, how, to, how does one nation live under the authority and rule of another nation. And then there's witnesses and then um, blessing and curses. If you obey this, here are the blessings. If you disobey this, here are the consequences, the curses. And Deuter- the book of Deuteronomy kind of follows that 
quite closely. And so there's this correspondence to, to the, the documents used at the time that Deuteronomy was written that reflects its, its rules for the nature of how God and the Israelite people are to relate. And that's true, but I think it's even more than that. So you can forget all that information if you're not interested. Um, I would argue, and I, if we were to take how the book of Deuteronomy presents itself, although all these other aspects are true as well, but at the heart of it, how the book of Deuteronomy presents itself is not a document or a contract or a rule book, but a sermon, a message of Moses preaching to the people of Israel just before they enter the promised land. Moses, the leader of Israel, preaching his heart out, speaking the words of God to his people before they enter into the land that God has given them. All right. So let's look, you know, go back to the other slide, Tim. Um, we'll go back, we'll read chapter 1, verse 1 to 5 again, and listen to what Moses says. Moses is the guy who wrote Deuteronomy, by the way. Moses says, these are the words Moses spoke to all the Israel in the desert east of the Jordan. That is, in the Arabah, opposite Suf, between Paran and Tophel, Laban, Hezeroth, and Dizahab. Also, well done to Caitlin reading that before. He says, these are the words. These are the words. This is the message. This is the sermon given to Moses, spoken to Israel. Now, the name Deuteronomy um, comes from the, uh, the Greek translation of this book. The Old Testament was, trans- was originally written in Hebrew, and in about 500 um, AD, a guy called Jerome kind of pulled together the Old Testament, uh, and it was translated before that in Greek, and he popularized the name Second Law referring to a passage in Deuteronomy uh, of the kings needing to make a copy of the law, make a second law. So the Deuteronomy became known as the second law. Before that, it was known by a different name. The Hebrew name for the book was Ella Hadabarim. Everyone say Ella Hadabarim. Very good. Your Hebrew is excellent. And that literally means these are the words. It's the very first phrase in the book. These are the words. And this is how it was known. This is how it was understood by the Israelite people. It's not this is the law book. It's not this is the constitution. This is not the covenant. It is these are the words. The words spoken by Moses to the Israelite people just before they entered the land. Now Moses spoke God's word to the people. In verse 3, it says, In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses proclaimed or preached to the Israelites all that the Lord had commanded him concerning them. It was God's word spoken through Moses. These are the words that God commanded Moses to speak to the Israelite people. And it's an important um, understanding of how Scripture comes to us, how the Bible actually came to us. It was written by human people. 
but it was dictated by God. Now, we do live in a very different time to when Deuteronomy was written. And we do know more than people did back then. But God is the author of this book, written through his sermon, servant Moses and through his servants, other writers of the Old Testament and the New Testament. We might be more aware of things now, but God is the God of all times, all ages, all kingdoms, all nations, all peoples for eternity. We don't know more than God. And he was there when it was written. He was entirely, not only aware of what was written, he, was beh- he is behind what is written in Scripture. 2 Timothy says all Scripture is God-breathed. It's like it literally comes out of his mouth and is useful for teaching, training, correcting, um, and something else in, in all righteousness. And so when I preach from the Bible, when I preach from Scripture, I speak with confidence, not because I'm a good public speaker, not because I've found this great truth that will change your life. I speak with confidence because I'm confident it's the Word of God that will do the work in people's hearts, in people's minds, in people's lives. I don't speak from my own authority. I have no authority. But it's God's word that has authority, that has power to transform lives. Moses, uh, he speaks, he speaks God's word, and he's instructed to explain the word, expound the law. Verse 5, east of the Jordan in the territory of Moab, Moses begins to expound the law, explain it, so that the Israelites would be be able to understand but we know from the book, and we'll talk a bit about this, is, is not so much that they'd be able to understand and retain that information, but so that they would apply it and live it out. It's not so much about information, but about transformation. It brings us to what is, uh, actually, no, not yet. If Moses is the preacher preaching a sermon to the Israelite people, who is Moses to the people? What's the situation that that has led up to this? If Moses is the preacher behind the book, who is Moses? And Moses is the, the leader of the Israelite people at this time. And he was called out of Egypt to lead the people of Israel. to to free them from the slavery that they found themselves in, in Egypt. He was an Israelite person who was miraculously raised as a prince of Egypt, even though he was a Jew, even though he was an Israelite. And God took him and used him, there's this whole big story, to free the Israelites. And then to, to guide Israel through the desert to the promised land. And the, the passage here says it's, uh, it's an 11 day journey from Mount Horeb to Kadesh Barnea by the Mount Seir Road. That's a weird detail to include, an 11-day journey. But that's because at the Mount Sinai where Moses was given the law, given the law by God for the Israelites, how they are to live and exist as a nation, how they are to relate in relationship with God, that was given at Mount Sinai, also known as Mount Horeb, 
right? Whenever you read Mount Horeb in the Bible, that's also Mount Sinai. And that's a place where God gave Israel the law. Very significant location in Israel. Now, God gave Israel through Moses the law. And then it's an 11-day journey to, where was it again? Uh, to Kadesh Barnea, where, where they were now. But they didn't take 11 days. They took 40 years, right? They got a bit lost. Well, they didn't lose their, their path. They lost their way because they got, they got to the place and they uh, looked into the land. They sent spies into land to survey the land. And is this the land that God's going to give them? And, and 10 out of 12 spies saw what was there and were afraid and were afraid. But two, Caleb and Joshua, saw what was in this land and they were excited. Excited about what God had in store for them. But the Israelites disobeyed God. They grumbled. We were better off in Egypt. We're just going to go in and die in here. God's not going to save us. And so God punished that generation by, by making them wander the desert for 40 years, so that 40 years later, the entire generation of Israelites, save Moses, Joshua, and Caleb, have all passed away. And even Moses doesn't get to go into the promised land. But as they finally, after that great journey around the desert, they come uh, to the border again, just the other side of Jordan, at, this, at this, uh, this mountain range near the Jordan, about to enter into the land. And then Moses comes up and he preaches his heart out. It's his last sermon, his last address to the Israelite people. He's been leading for 40 years. And this, what we have in this book is what he has to say. It comes straight from his heart, preaching to God's people, to the Israelite people. How are they going to live? in the land that God's given them. One commentator, Ajith Fernando, says, Deuteronomy gives Moses' farewell address to them. His aim is to motivate them to go further and conquer the land and help them to be faithful to God amidst all the challenges to such faithfulness that they will face. He warns them of the challenges. He encourages them to a life of holiness. He tells them of the consequences of living and of failing to live such a life. All the time, Moses was aware of the temptation that the people would have to compromise their faith by assimilating aspects of the Canaanite or the, the other religions in the area. And he, he just says, are these not some of our greatest challenges today? How can, how can we remain faithful to God? How can we avoid compromise when the lure of society around us is so powerful? How can we help our children and the people we lead to be faithful? Deuteronomy tells us how Moses tackled these challenges. And it can tell us how we can tackle those challenges too. So this book is a speech and even like the majority of this book is speech, is, is words from Moses' mouth, sermons, poems, songs. And there's maybe like five paragraphs that are narrative or, or not speech. They're words, which brings us to, well, what's the point of these words? If this 
book is a sermon, what's the main point of the sermon? What's the main point? And usually you can discover a main point by looking at the big beginning, the middle, and the end. How does Moses start? What does he say in the between? And how does he finish? And how does he begin this sermon? Is with a history lesson. He retells the story of the Israelite people. And we get hints of it even in the little um, commentary before he starts speaking. Um, Verse 4, this was after he, referring to God, uh, defeated Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, and Adre had defeated Og, and Adre, sorry, had defeated Og, king of Bashan, who reigned in Ashtaroth. Right, and the rest of chapter one and two and three tells the story of Israel from the point when they were at this point before, about to enter the land, but they rebelled and they disobeyed God. And they didn't trust him. And so he led them away. Um, and after the, he led them away, Israel just changed their mind and said, oh, no, we will go fight now. We'll go fight. We don't need God. We'll go fight ourselves. And God says, no, you had your chance. Now we're, we're going in a different direction. We're spending 40 years in the wilderness. You can't do this on your own. And so they fought and they lost this battle. So they journeyed in the wilderness for 40 years. But as they came back uh, to Israel, they kind of, those 40 years were coming to an end. They were approaching the land again and there was these two great nations they had to defeat. Somehow Israel, though they were a nomadic people just wandering the desert, they had to stand up to these two great nations on the other side of Israel before they could even get into the kingdom. And what the passage is clear and the story is clear is that God is the one who defeats those nations. Sihon, king of the Amorites. King Og of Bashan. God is the one who defeats them. God is the one who delivered them from Egypt. God is the one who led them through the desert. God is the one who defeated Israel's enemies, even in spite of their constant grumbling and rebellion. God was the one who was faithful to them and brought them to this place and will give them the nation of Israel. And so verse four, verse one Moses says, now listen to the statutes and the rules that I'm teaching you and do them that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, your God of your fathers is giving you. The foundation of the law, the foundation of all the rules and the regulations that we find in Deuteronomy, the foundation of that is the truth that Israel were saved by God. They don't follow those rules so that they can earn being saved. They're saved by God. And now this is how to live in the land. So the purpose of the book is comes out of this place of God's grace, God's love for His people, to listen and to obey the teaching that God has for them. So then is the desired outcome of Deuteronomy changed behaviour? 
So they change how they behave or they behave in a certain way. They do certain things. Is that the point and purpose of Deuteronomy? Now it is. But it also goes deeper than that. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12 to 16, kind of in the middle of the book, says, Now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul. To keep the commandments of the Lord and His statutes with I am commanding you today for your good. Indeed, the heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God, also the earth and all that is in it. The Lord delighted not only in your fathers to love them, He chose their descendants after them, even you above all people, as it is today. Therefore, circumcise your heart and do not be stubborn anymore. The purpose of Deuteronomy, what what is... What does Moses hope to be the outcome of this sermon is so that the Israelites would obey the commandments, but deeper than that, that they would serve and love God with all of their hearts, with all of their souls. It's not talking about superficial obedience, but wholehearted devotion. And he says we all need heart surgery. We all need to circumcise our hearts or we, we need our hearts to be circumcised. Now, circumcision is not a pleasant thing to talk about. It was the, uh, the ritual that Israelite men did uh, to set themselves apart as God's people. And it was a very private and intimate procedure. And with kids in the room, I won't go into the detail of that. But there was this this thing that was done to the Israelite men to set them apart as God's people. And it it was a sign for the Israelite people, and thank goodness we don't need to do it anymore to be Christian. But that sign pointed to something even deeper, the circumcision of the heart. That old, rebellious, grumbling self cut off and the heart that's left being transformed. And just like the heart pumps blood to every part of our bodies, so the transformation that comes when we live and obey and we follow the law of the Lord transforms us from the inside out. It affects every part of our lives. And this, this book, as, an ama- as amazing as it is, it's not enough. The law that Israelite, the Israelites followed was not enough. And Jesus came, God's only son, God incarnate, God becoming a human being. He came not to abolish the law. We talked about this during the Sermon on the Mount. He didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Jesus came to fulfill the requirements and the purpose of the law. He came to complete the work the law was unable to do, to pay the debt of sin and brokenness and grumbling and rebellion, to come and to cut that off from us in our hearts, to bring forgiveness and healing 
and to transform our hearts, to transform us so that we can fully devote ourselves to God, so that we can live lives set apart for the God who created the universe, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Not that we might earn the right to be, become His people, but because we are His people. So how do, we, how do we read this book? How do we engage with the book of Deuteronomy? Is it a book of laws to follow or not to follow? A constitution for a country that we're not part of? Or a preacher preaching to his people, showing them the glory of the Father, showing his people how to live? commending them the laws and the instructions as they enter into the land, pleading with them to listen and to obey so they might flourish, might have life in the land that God has gifted to them. Now, we, we aren't Israelites. Not many of us are Jewish people by cultural and ethnic heritage. And we don't live in the Old Testament times but we do have the same salvation story. Israel's salvation was God saving them from oppression and slavery. Our salvation story is Jesus saving us from oppression and slavery to sin, to our own evil thoughts and desires, to the part of ourselves that's rebellious and grumble against God, the evil forces in this world. God has saved us just as He saved Israel. And He didn't just save Israel and let them go free and do whatever He want. He saved them to be His people. And Jesus has saved us not to go off and do whatever we want, but to be His people. And God has given us the law to show us how to live as His people. And so as we study, as we, you know, over the, we're going to do two weeks and then have a break for Mission Mate and then we're coming back to it. But as we study the law in Deuteronomy, the question to ask is not, why doesn't this apply to us anymore? Like the, the, the cloth of two, two, the shirts of two linens. Like not thinking, oh, this doesn't apply. How not to apply this? The question is asked, how can we apply this? What is the intent behind these laws, these rules? What, what does this reflect the heart of God for how we might live today? How what might we set ourselves apart? How might it be God setting us apart for Him through these laws and these instructions? It's important work to do and it takes effort figuring all that out. But this is the law of the Lord that gives life shows us how to live, shows us the love and grace that God has for us. Now, I want to finish with an image to help us understand the book of Deuteronomy. And I'll, I'll, I'll probably keep coming back to this throughout this series. And some of you may have already heard this and uh, you're welcome from hearing again because I think it's a helpful thing to think about. Now, who likes coffee in the room? A lot of people. 
Excellent. This will be a helpful illustration then. I apologise to those who don't like coffee. But you, you, do you know that there's some coffee people who just take it to the next level, right? Like I've, I've, just, I've got my machine, I make my coffee, that's great. There's some people who just go the extra mile, that they wake up and they measure out 27.2 grams of coffee beans. Not 27.3, not 27.1, 27.2 grams of coffee beans. And they grind these beans at a setting of two, not three, not one, not seven, two. And even before that, they, they, they spray some water on it just to, to, to stop the static from affecting it. And then after they grind it, they aerate it with a little tool and, and stir it. And then they, they mix it so that it doesn't, there's no clumps in the, in the puck. And then they tamp it with a certain amount of pressure. And that pressure is always exactly the same pressure. And then they extract it at five bar of pressure for 30 seconds, not 31 seconds, not 29 seconds, 30 seconds to get exactly 30 mils of espresso. And then they froth the milk at seven bar for, till it gets to 67.7 degrees Celsius, right? And then they make a beautiful cup of coffee. Now, why do people put themselves through such oppressive and legalistic rules, right? Why would someone do that, inflict that on themselves? Aren't they just being legalistic? Why would they follow all these laws and restrictions? Is it because of what the manual says? Or is it because they love coffee and it's life-giving <laughs> for some? Why would we follow the law of the Lord? Is it because we were told to? Is it because we, we, we can only find favour with God if we obey these rules? Or is it because we love God and following His law gives us life? How could we apply God's law today? How might the law of God bring us life? How can we live out our identity as God's people. Let's pray as we, before we respond in a song. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for Your Word, for Deuteronomy, a complex book, a confusing book in, lo in lots of ways, but Lord, a, a powerful book. Lord, we thank You for Moses, Your servant who led Israel through the desert, who preached these sermons, who gave these messages. And we thank you for his heart and his desire for those people, that they would know you, they would love you, and they would live out their lives in the land to, to flourish. And Lord, we pray as we study these words and as we think about these things and we look at your law, that you too would come in and transform our hearts. That's, that's work we can't do. The law can't do that. We can't do it. We can't do it to anyone else. That is work only you can do. Lord, we pray you would transform our hearts. That would flow out of our hearts to every aspect of our lives. That we would be set apart to live for you. Lord, we thank you for your word. We look forward to what you are going to do and teach us. 
And even more than that, how you're going to transform us as we study and wrestle and engage with your word. We thank you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.